And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Appreciate those young ladies sharing with us this morning. Those are my two oldest daughters and a cousin from Montana. They shared that uh, special at family camp that took place up in Montana last weekend where we were. And uh, they wanted to share that with you this morning. I appreciate uh, Todd being willing to to fill in the pulpit last week and uh, or last Sunday and this past week a lot of things uh, happened a lot of good things going on some things that uh, we just want to be in prayer about and a couple of those things uh, had to do with um, we want to keep in prayer the the Velma Corson family um, this past week again we just kind of started hearing bits and pieces on Thursday uh, concerning the health of Velma and then on Friday, uh, she passed away. And so uh, many of you know the Corsons, Al and Velma, uh, part of the congregation here, uh, missionaries in Africa, uh, helps begin a mission organization there, and just, uh, just a very difficult time for the family of the Corsons. And so be in prayer for Al and, and the kids and just lifting them up in prayer and uh, also this past uh, Saturday, just yesterday, of course, we remember the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and thinking about all the, the men and women, servicemen and women, as well as first responders and just the people that uh, help keep our country safe and uh, work so hard to protect us. And so we want to lift up families of the 9-11. And then uh, this today, uh, we're celebrating uh, uh, something that God is doing uh, in Douglas, Wyoming. And so we're praising God that uh, online joining us this morning is Outpost Christian Church, an extension of the PV Church as they begin uh, kick off there in Douglas this morning. And so uh, there's a lot of things we need to be lifting up in prayer, praising God for. And so I just want to begin with those uh, things in prayer this morning. Will you bow your heads as we go to God? So Father, we thank you and we praise you. Uh, we, We lift your name above every other name. Father, you are holy, you are righteous. God, we don't want to come on Sunday mornings just because it's the thing we think we should do or out of ritual or habit, but Father, we're coming together this morning to build one another up, to honor you through our presence as we read your word and as we study it together. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be mightily working in our hearts and our minds. Father, we do lift up to you the Corson family as the They deal with the loss of Velma. We pray for peace and comfort, uh, pray for healing uh, in their lives right now. God, we also lift up to you families that have been affected 20 years ago through the attacks on 9-11. We do thank you and praise you for our military men and women and first responders that take the time to protect us. And so, God, we're thanking you for those individuals and lifting those families up to you this morning. And, Father, we do... Thank you and praise you that this body has been a body that desires to seek and reconcile and restore and equip disciples that would then go out and make other disciples. And we thank you for Outpost Christian Church that is kicking off this morning and the desire they have to continue to be an extension of this body that reaches those there in Douglas. And so, God, we we lift them up and pray a blessing on them, desiring your Holy Spirit to lead and direct them there And God, we're grateful for the time we can spend together here this morning. May you be the one that our focus is completely and totally on. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. 
Again, I mentioned I appreciate Todd Erickson, one of our elders, being willing to jump in last week, fill the pulpit. And if you have not had a chance to go and listen to his message, if you weren't here, uh, I had a chance to go back and listen through it. It was a great message. The, the message was entitled, Can You Handle the Truth? And it's this idea of, you know, what are we doing with the truth of God's word? Is it impacting our lives? Is it something that we're sharing with the world around us? Is it something that uh, has uh, an each and every day, you know, impact on the, the choices we're making? And are we willing, again, to share it with those around us? So I appreciate Todd being willing to, to share from Mark uh, last week. And we're continuing on in Mark today. And before we get into the message, I it was brought to my attention. I just, I don't know, I've kind of stumble upon it online, but there's actually a national back-to-church Sunday. Did you guys know that? There's an actual back-to-church Sunday day, and for 2021, it is set for September 19th, 2021, which would be what? Next Sunday, okay? So a little bit late notice, but I just want to encourage those. Uh, I realize we can't all be here every single Sunday all together, but I'm wondering what that would look like if we went and encouraged those maybe we haven't seen that are part of this congregation, that we haven't seen in an in-person gathering in a while, and maybe they're ready to come back, encourage them, say, hey, we're, we're trying to get everybody back together on the National Back to Church Sunday, next Sunday, September 19th. Maybe you invite someone brand new, someone that you, don't, you know that they don't go to church anywhere, and say, hey, did you know there's a national back to church Sunday day and it's next Sunday would you want to come with me and so uh, giving you an opportunity to use that day as kind of a springboard and inviting someone and I just wonder what a blessing that would be to pack this place out and this place is pretty much packed out right now so if you're going to invite a bunch of people some of you got to come first service I think or we're going to have to like do a 12 o'clock service or something but I I just want us to pray through that think through that maybe use that day as an opportunity for you to reach out to someone this next week and the title of today's message is faith over fear faith over fear and the story is told of a man who fell off a cliff but managed to grab a tree limb on his way down and as he's holding on for dear life this conversation ensues he, he says is anyone up there and and the lord replies he says i am here i am the lord do you believe me Yes, Lord, I, I believe, I, I really believe, uh, but I don't know how much longer I can hold on. That's all right. If you really believe, you have nothing to worry about. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. A moment of pause, and then the man said, Is anyone else up there? Isn't that what happens for us at times? We, we want to put our faith in God. We want to trust in him. And then when it's scary, we panic, right? We, we look for other places. We, we find this fear that kind of overtakes us in our lives. And, and it's tough. I think a lot of times when we, we face difficulty, our natural reaction isn't to have faith, but our natural reaction is to have panic or fear and when you stand in line at a roller coaster, and maybe it's your first time, and you're kind of like, I don't know if I want to go on this mind eraser thing. That doesn't sound healthy, you know, mind eraser, you know, that's, that can't be good. And, and so you're in line, and your friends, oh, it's going to be fun, it's great, it's no problem, you know, and you go upside down, and people screaming the whole time while you're in line. You're like, oh, man, I don't know. And, and, and so you get to the front of the line, and you have to make a decision. When it's your turn to get on the roller coaster, are you going to have faith? 
that the roller coaster is going to stay intact. It's going to stay on the rails. You're going to go all the way around, and you're going to get back, and you're going to still be alive. Do you have that faith that that's going to happen? Or do you have fear that something terrible is going to happen, and so then you just take the walk of shame back past everybody? I'm too scared to go on, you know. And so we have to have faith over fear in a lot of areas of our life. And today's passage is from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And Jesus and the disciples, they're in the middle of a storm. And Jesus was at peace, and the disciples were in panic mode. He was at peace, and they were panicking. They were fearful. They were worried. And when it comes to storms, I am sure you've heard it, you're either in one of three groups. When it comes to the storms of this life, you're in one of three groups. You're either in a storm right now, you have just gotten out of a storm, or you're about ready to head into a storm. And some of you are thinking, is there no option number four? Could we get away from these storms? But the reality of this world and this life is that we go through a lot of storms. And it's difficult to not worry in the middle of those storms, isn't it? It's difficult not to fear, and yet we are to be, we're called to follow where Jesus leads us. And what he's saying is, have faith over fear. And I'm not, I'm not, we can't get around the fact that these are very anxious times. It's, it's very difficult to, to live in this world that we currently live in. And it's hard not to be anxious about your health or your future or your finances, or your families, or your freedoms, and the list can go on and on and on. But my hope is, as we look at Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, that we are reminded that the one whom we put our faith in is greater than any fear we might face. Amen? So God, this morning again, may you speak to our hearts and our minds May your word be bold, and may we be willing to receive it and live it. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. We're going to watch these verses read and acted out from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I encourage you to follow along in your own Bibles. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. down and it was completely calm he said to his disciples why are you so afraid do you still have no faith they were terrified and asked each other who is this even the wind 
and the waves obey him. As we look at this passage of Jesus calming the storm, I I want us to look at three aspects of the storm. And and the first is the before the storm, and then the in the middle of the storm, and then the after the storm. If you think about the idea of before storm, what do a lot of people do when they know a big storm is coming? They prepare, exactly. They go buy supplies. They buy food. They, they possibly might fill sandbags if it's going to include water. They board up the windows. They prep for the storm. They get ready. And if you look at what was taking place so far in the book of Mark, Jesus has done a lot of things around this water to prepare the disciples. Jesus had called these fishermen out of the Sea of Galilee to be his first disciples from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And as Jesus' ministry increases, he doesn't go very far from the water. In fact, Mark oftentimes makes a point to tell us that they're by the water, the Sea of Galilee, Mark chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 4, verse 1. These are all times where Mark makes it a point to remind us that they're right there by the water. Everything's taking place at the Sea of Galilee, and it was the same sea again that Jesus called these fishermen out of to be his disciples. And to leave everything that they knew and that they were comfortable with and in order to follow where he was leading them. And I wonder, can you imagine how difficult it must have been at times for these fishermen to kind of be going with Jesus and they keep going by the water and they think, we should probably go back. We don't know what we're doing. You know, Let, let's just go back to what we know. That's, that's what we grew up with. That's, that's I mean, how are we going to survive? You know, how, how is this whole thing going to work? Just following Jesus and hoping someone provides food for us and shelter? I mean, we, don't we have to make a living? Can you imagine the difficulty it was for these fishermen not to want to go back to what they were used to? And yet Jesus, in the midst of all that, just kept saying, hey, Stick with me. I'll take care of you. You don't have to depend on the things of this world. You don't have to depend on the sea. You don't have to to worry about these things. I'm going to handle things. Depend on me. And Jesus is wanting the same from us today. He's saying, stop trying to depend on all the things of the world to sustain you or to fill you up or to bring you satisfaction. But depend on me, Jesus is saying. And it isn't until chapter 4 that we see Jesus, he uses his boat as a kind of makeshift pulpit, and he gets in the boat on the water, and then he finally sets out in the middle of the night. While it was evening, they set out in the night into the middle of this great storm in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 36. And Jesus' disciples, they've seen a lot of people in those people's faith. Haven't they? they? They saw the man with leprosy and the faith that he had. They, they, he, they saw the friends of the paralytic and the faith that they had. The, he, they've been hearing Jesus in the parables and hearing the meaning behind these parables. But they themselves, they hadn't really been tested in their faith. And could it be possible that if Jesus has the power to calm a storm that he also might have the ability to know a storm is coming? Could that be a possibility here? And you think about that, and Jesus was still willing to lead them 
through it anyway. And I believe that Jesus knew a storm was coming and he says, hey, let's go to the other side. And the parallel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke stress that Jesus was the planner and the sender here in this story. He basically, he was, you know, uh, uh, someone that was organizing the trip. He, he booked the time and even arranged the seating. It was a deliberate, premeditated, calculated opportunity for him to see how the disciples were going to dis- respond and the reason that I think this is so important is because many of you are here this morning and you're wondering why Jesus has allowed you to be in the middle of the storm that you're in. Now what I'm going to say next is kind of a terrifying idea, but is it possible that Jesus might have led you into the storm? And you say, well, why would he do that? Well, could it be because for too much of your life you've been depending on yourself for everything? For too much of your life you've been depending on others to get you through? And Jesus is saying, stop depending on the things of this world. Stop depending on yourself. Stop depending on others. And depend upon me, he says. Jesus had been preparing the disciples And now he wants to test them. How are they going to respond to this storm? Will they have faith or will they have fear? And he leads them out onto the water. And so now they're in the middle of the storm. And the Golden Gate Bridge in California got way behind schedule when it was being built. I didn't know that, but as I was reading, there were so many casualties that the men were afraid of falling off, and so very few of them wanted to really go and do much of the work. And, and it was just, there's a huge safety issue, and so what they tried to do was they put a huge safety net was placed underneath the area of operations. But for a time, it really made no difference. They're like, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I can't hardly be up here type of thing. And then one day a man fell off, and he landed into the net. And when he came up smiling, the men knew that they were safe. And from that moment, the project leaped ahead. And when fear rules, men are cowards. But when faith reigns, men are courageous. Carlyle said that the ultimate question every man has to face and answer for himself is this. Wilt thou be a hero or a coward? And this was the decision Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, had to to make in in the crisis he faced when his daughter was dying and even pronounced dead. We're going to look at that in chapter 5 in the coming weeks. But he was caught in this bind. You know, for the facts seemed to lean towards fear. And yet Jesus in Mark chapter 5 verse 36 said, don't be afraid, just believe. And Jesus was saying that faith is the only soil in which the seed of hope will grow. If you forsake faith, then the plant will wither. And you'll be a victim of fear. Don't do it, Jesus said. Don't give in to fear even when all the evidence supports it. For faith is not limited 
by the evidence. Do you get that? Faith is not limited by the evidence. In verse 37, it says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? If you look at the Greek words in this passage, it's, it, they're not just this little baby storm going on. This was a mega storm. The word mega shows up here in these Greek words. This is a storm that was the storm of all storms. It broke over the, the boat, beating it and swamping it. This is a major storm, something that these disciples didn't want to be out on the water in. Because a, a fierce gale of wind was whipping through the, down the ravines, pouring into the Sea of Galilee. And those strong winds were creating giant waves that were consistently crashing onto the boat. They were getting absolutely pounded by the sea and the wind to, to the point that the boat was going to sink or completely be destroyed. And it was a life-threatening storm. But in the middle of that furious storm... Jesus was teaching his disciples the importance of faith over fear. Because a lot of times, when it comes to being in a storm, we tend to panic, don't we? Like, oh no, what's going to happen? I don't, I don't know. You know, and we get really worked up, and the apostles, they were freaking out, and they didn't, they didn't see what was happening, you know, be, maybe behind the scenes, and they were nervous, and, and they're asking Jesus, like, Jesus, don't you understand what's going on? Don't you, don't you get it, Jesus? We're going to die. This, this is something that we're not going to be able to come back from. This is scary. Have you ever felt like the apostles? When life gets scary, do you tend to think that Jesus just doesn't get it? You start to question him. Can't, can't you see what happen, what's happening, God? Don't you get it, Jesus? Like, my life is coming apart at the seams, and it doesn't seem to make a difference to you. And, and then we cry out to God, and we say the same thing the disciples said. Don't you care? Don't you care? Is that you today? Are you crying out? Don't you care? God, don't you care that my marriage is falling apart? Don't you care that my finances are in disarray? God, don't you care that my, my kids are off the rails? Don't you care about my health or the health of the loved one? Don't you care about my future? I, and all too often, in the middle of the storms of this life, we panic. And we wonder if God even cares. And I want to challenge you to have faith. To have faith that God is bigger than any storm you will ever face. And if you notice in this passage, we aren't the only ones that panic. We're in pretty good company with these disciples that are right there next to Jesus. And they're panicking in the middle of the storm. These seasoned fishermen are scared to death. And yet Jesus, a land-loving carpenter, is at peace. And in the book of Mark, there's much going on around Jesus. You think about Jesus' life and what he was going through. Leaders were trying to sway him. Followers trying to influence him. People being used against him. Religious leaders trying to trick him. Yet the world doesn't move Jesus 
He moves the world, amen? And regardless of how the world is spinning around him, Jesus is the same. People can complain, followers will desert, Pharisees ridicule, rulers plot, and storms rage. But Jesus remains unfazed, unmoved, and none of it robs him of even an hour of sleep. Do you see that? He's not even going to let any of that get him worked up. And I think part of the reason we're given this story is to illustrate to us the peace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is at peace throughout the whole story. When the waters are calm, he's at peace. And when the waters are erupting, he's at peace. He's modeling for us the kind of undisturbed, calm, peaceful hearts and souls we are to have whether the days and the times are calm or they're chaotic. And whatever storm you're facing today, remember this simple truth. Jesus does not promise to calm every storm in your life. Jesus does promise to calm you in every storm of life. See, Jesus does care, and you need to have faith. And we look in verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And when it comes to quieting things down in my life, I'm not really very good at it. In fact, when I have a crying baby, you know, I'm like, hush, little baby, don't you cry, you know. And pretty soon I'm like, oh, Autumn, here, here you go, you know. I'm not real great a lot of times at quieting my children down. And when it comes to my dog, you know, that's a, just a lost cause. My dog barks at some noise, and I'm like, Bronx, quiet, you know, shh, hush, you know, and which reminds me when my six-year-old son Brooks was one or two, he'd always walk around, and he'd say, Hush, hush, Bronx, hush. You know, and I'm just like, man, that's so cute. But it didn't help for Brooks either, though, you know. And, and when, when Jesus, though, when Jesus says to the wind, to the waves, quiet, be still, guess what happens? It obeys, right? In the NASB, it says, hush, be still. It worked for Jesus. And can you imagine how awesome it would be? If we could say to the Wyoming wind pretty much any day of the year, hush, be still, you know? That, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be pretty amazing to have that experience. If you're here this morning wondering if God can handle the storms of your life, man, if you're wondering if Jesus can really make a difference in the chaos of your circumstances, the answer is yes. A hundred times over, yes. He calms the storm, the winds and the waves. When we read that from childhood and we think, oh yeah, no big deal. What do you mean no big deal? It's amazing to think about what Jesus did in this moment. And who he claims to be in this moment when he calms the wind and the waves. If you look back to Psalm Chapter 107, Psalm, in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 107, verse 23. There's a passage, it's an old Jewish 
poem. And it's interesting. I want you to, to see if you hear some familiar verses taking place from our passages that we're reading in Mark to these verses. Verse 23 of Psalm 107 says, Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord, and in my version it has capital L-O-R-D, meaning Yahweh, in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. These verses say that only the Lord, L-O-R-D capital, only Yahweh, only the great I am can calm the wind and the waves. And Jesus says, yep, you're right. Hush, see, and the wind and the waves die down. And by doing that, he claims to be God. Only the Lord, only Yahweh, only the great I am can calm the storm. And Jesus saying, I am who I am. So many times we want God to keep us from having to go through any sort of difficulty or storm in life. We want him just to take it away from us. And, and yet, what Jesus is saying to us today is that no matter what storm you face, if you put faith in Jesus, he's going to get in the boat with you. And there's no storm that has a chance of destroying you. You see that? The only way that you're truly going to get through the storm is if you have Jesus in your boat. And so after the great storm comes this great calm. And the disciples are left to decide, what are they going to do with Jesus? Verse 40 and 41, he said to his disciples, again, after the storm, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Again, the disciples, they go through this great storm. And Jesus comes and causes this great calm. And now they're left with a reverent fear of who is this Jesus? Who, who is he? Do, do we have the same reverent fear for Jesus and God today in our own lives? We have to stop being afraid of the storms of this life and begin to reverently fear the one who sleeps through the storms. Amen? I mean, that's what I see here. All too often we're so afraid of the storms and yet here's the one that is sleeping through the storm. That's who we should fear. That's who we should be reverently in fear of. We have to decide who Jesus is going to be in our lives. 
Is Jesus just going to be a good teacher in our lives? Or is he going to be our Lord that can calm the wind and the waves? And if you go back to verse 20, excuse me, 38, who do they say Jesus is in verse 38? You can look. It's not a test. Teacher. They say, teacher, rabbi. They, they looked to Jesus as someone that was a good teacher, but did they really believe that he was God, that he's the son of God, that he is the Lord? And I wonder for us, even today, do we have that same struggle? Yes, Jesus, you're a great teacher. We understand your words as, as something that we should try to apply to our lives, but do we really believe that he should dictate everything that takes place in our lives, or do we think, well, you have our Sunday mornings, and you have maybe my Wednesday night, and my Tuesday morning, but no, I'm going to make a few of my own decisions, God. No, that's not how it works. He can't just be a good teacher. He has to be our capital L-O-R-D, the one true God that can calm the wind and the waves. And do we have faith in Jesus that says, cancer, you don't scare me. Virus, you don't scare me. Messed up government, you don't scare me. Lack of money, you don't scare me. Unknown future, you don't scare me. Whatever it might be in your life, do we have the faith in Jesus that says, I'm not scared. No matter what storm I face, Jesus is in my boat. Who is Jesus in your life? Are you willing to risk putting your faith in Jesus? Because faith is a risk. Jesus says, dare to trust me. Kind of like the airlines say, dare to trust us. Try us out. Because, you know, the airlines, every single flight, they can't for sure tell you that everything's going to go great. They're asking you, they're saying, depend upon faith as you get onto their plane. Because they can't prove to you that their mechanics made no mistakes and that their pilots are beyond error. They're saying, dare to trust us in all that we do to fly you to where you want to go. See, faith is a choice you must make before the evidence is all in because if all the evidence is already in, then it's no longer faith. If you already know what's going to take place, it's not any sort of faith. And Helen Keller in her book, Let Us Have Faith, makes it clear that faith is the source of her amazing life of victories in spite of blindness. She writes, in my doubly shadowed world, faith gives me reason for trying to draw harmony out of a marred instrument. Faith is not a cushion for me to fall back upon. It's my working energy. The disciples of Jesus' day had to decide if they believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And you disciples today have to decide if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe that, is it changing your life? As the praise team comes, in 1809, Dr. Ephraim McDowell had to make an agonizing decision. Mr. Thomas Crawford had traveled 60 miles to see if he could save his life, and the only hope was an ab abdominal operation that had never been performed. 
And this doctor knew the chances were slim, and so did everyone else. In fact, a mob had gathered and threw a rope over a tree, and they were ready to hang the doctor for murder if the patient died. But he took the risk, and the patient lived. And every operation for appendicitis since then goes back to that act of faith over fear. It happened on Christmas morning, and by faith, he gave life where death was certain. And the same is true today, isn't it? Where spiritual death is certain, Jesus is offering you life. And if you're someone who needs to be saved from your sins, to be born again, to be clothed, With Christ, in order that you may be saved through the watery grave of baptism, where your faith and God's grace come together, I pray that you would make that decision this morning. That you would not wait another day. And so as we sing a song of invitation, if you have a decision to make, will you please come? Will you stand with us this morning? my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my life. Here's my life, Lord.